Welcome to the Hunter's Hub event quest. This is technically our first full episode, uh, and we will be reviewing Commander... 2020? 2019. 2019. All right. Then it'll do, like, cars. Sorry. No, they... Of course that's they do. <laughs> right. <laughs> which we just had a course at. Right, which was Core 2020. 2020. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be doing Commander 19. Um, there are four decks. Uh, there is a Rakdos, a... Uh, Jeskai, Jeskai, um, Sultai, Sultai and Naya. Naya. There we go. Uh, and they all have some pretty unique uh, commanders. But uh, as per the uh, establishment of our shows, each of us are going to go through five cards, and we're going to kind of do it round robin and sort of discuss the cards we bring to the table and what we thought was interesting, and just some of the set overall at the end of that, and then uh, give our ratings. So um, I hope you guys enjoy. So we'll just get right into it. Uh, Darth Tater, what is card number one you would like to talk about from Commander 2019? I will start with probably the commander that I will be building into a deck. I actually ordered two copies of it, just because I get a full set and got an extra copy of... I want to say it's Angie, A-N-J-E, Falconrath. Angie, on. <laughs> I've heard Anya. I'm yeah. just not sure. So it's one, a black and a red. Legendary creature vampire. It's got haste. It also has a tap. Discard a card, colon, draw a card. Mm -hmm. Whenever you discard a card, if it has madness, untap, on J. And it's also a 1-3. That's not terribly important. But <clears throat> for me, it's pretty exciting. There's there's always been kind of like Rakdos punishing cards. Like one of Some of my favorite effects are things like Slaughter Games. And Rakdos really v brings a feel to Commander that I like, that, you know, you're not ramping necessarily, you're not drawing cards, but you're just doing things that feel uncomfortable, as I think is a good way to put it. Right, and, uh, and a bit of a translation for those who are newer to Magic and listening. Um, when we talk about Rakdos, we're talking about a color combination of exclusively red and black. Um, and also Madness is a mechanic that when you discard a card, it has an alternative... Uh, mana cost that you can pay that is usually lower um, and has an extra, yeah, extra can, effect. Yeah, the big thing is you can pay it at that time. Right, so and it, if you discard a car, a creature with madness, you can cast it then, even if it doesn't have flash. Right, so yeah, you can cast so, it at any time outside of the regular phases. Yeah. So it, it just seems like a card that interests me. You know, you take a lot of these madness cards that maybe without this big enabler feel clunky. Like we have a six mana destroy a, a non-black creature but it madness is for one black so this is a card that it's just probably unplayable but if on your commander you have a way to enable mm -hmm. it i mean and they've included it in the pre-con i don't remember the name of it but you kind of get this feeling you also really can take care of a reanimator direction you know a lot of times you're spinning card slots on entomb and other effects that let you put cards from your deck into your graveyard, and sometimes you just have to make a frowny face when you draw the big creature you want to reanimate. Mm -hmm. She just lets you toss in the graveyard, draw a different card, and just hope you find a reanimation spell. So there's definitely going to be a reanimation sub-theme, and they've kind of done that in the pre-con as well. Right. So it just it's exciting. It does a lot of things I want to do, and I always look for, I want to play things I feel like I won't play against. Or if I do play against them, it's not going to be often. Right. Because we had a big meta stagnation with Perforos for a while where we play. Yeah. Uh, well, this is, this is a big uh, a big boon for 
something in my deck, uh, the Garius uh, Waker of Corpses, um, because he wants to get creatures in the graveyard because he brings things back. So having her in the deck wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't think I'm going to do it because I don't have madness to really utilize her in that deck. But it is uh, the uh, what you're talking about, the ability to discard something in a reanimator deck is very powerful. And that's why I have Rotting Regisaur, which is uh, a pretty beefy, what is it, a 7-6 uh, for three yes. mana. That is a, the mono black uh, dinosaur that says, hey, beginning your upkeep, discard a card. And it sounds bad. It's like, okay, it's the downside for having a three mana 7-6, but in a pseudo reanimator deck, you kind of like that. <laughs> um, so, Leah, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Angie, Angie, and uh, whatever her name is? <laughs> well, I think Aunt Angie's pretty sweet. Aunt Angie. <laughs> you get to discard to then draw a card, so... Yes, yes. Getting, are, and then getting to untap drawn. when it's a card with madness is pretty great. But just having an enabler that lets you replace that madness card so that even if, absolute worst case, you're just needing to filter through your hand to dig to an answer, you can. And getting both some benefit with madness, getting to just replace the madness card so you're getting card advantage by casting that spell and drawing a card to replace it on a cheap commander, mm-hmm. I think is yeah. just chef's kiss. And in general, just having a, a different vampire lord or vampire general is always great. Oh, yeah. She is a vampire. Although she doesn't really synergize with vampires as much, but there are some madness vampires, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's... Yeah, the big thing is we have a one-drop vampire and just red for... I think it's called Falkenroth Gorger. Yeah, it's one red for a 2-1. Yep. Gives all vampire spells you have madness equal to their cost. Just rip through your deck. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Don't even have I to mean, cast them. Just that'd add. be fun. Yeah. Discard every creature card out of your deck in the course of like two turns, and then you know and do then, that that sweet sweet black ramp into like Rise of the Dark Realms. Or yeah, don't even have to do like that. If they're all vampires, you can do something like uh, discard. You know, flip through your deck, discard all the vampires that you hit at the end of their turn, and get through you know even half your deck or something. And then you untap and do even like a five mana for patriarchs bidding and just choose vampire. Hmm. Like, yes, I'd like you to reanimate yeah. your, you know, maybe one vampire. And um, here's my twenty-five. Wow, uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. So my scale might need to go up one. I didn't actually think of that as one of the combos until now. So. <laughs> <laughs> On the fly. <laughs> um, so okay, uh, Leo, what is your first pick? All right, my first pick is going to be Savine's Reclamation. It's two and a white for a sorcery. Mm-hmm. Return target permanent card with CMC three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If it's cast from a graveyard, you can copy this spell and may choose a new target for the copy, and it has a flashback of four and a white. Um, in general, little like mini Sun Titan effects like this and one-shot effects, I always like to look at and toy around with and see you know what kind of small incremental advantages can I build into a deck Mm-hmm. that a card like this can abuse and on top of that something that i um that i saw and that this also plays well with is one of the big weaknesses in commander of mono white decks is ramp yeah mm-hmm. but one of the great things about commander is even if you're in a monocolored deck you can use off-colored fetches or you can use a lot of the cards that 
or not, you know, off-colored, but just like a terramorphic expanse, a myriad landscape, stuff like that, that mm-hmm. are land that will replace itself and put it in the bin. Those happen to be permanent cards that have CMC3 or less that can mm-hmm. be put back with Savine's Reclamation. Mm. Uh, okay. Same, saw this in 2020 with brought back, you know, two white to do oh, return yeah. two th- permanents that were put in your graveyard this turn. If you wait until turn two, crack two fetches, then brought back, you get two of these. Savine's Reclamation, you know, turn three, crack a fetch, Savine's mm. Reclamation, it, you just did a mono white three mana rampant growth. Huh. Not great, but when it can do something else, okay, it's fantastic. And it doesn't even need to be a permanent that was put into the graveyard that turn. You can have it bring back a creature, and then a couple turns later, you've got five mana and two fetches in your yard. You know, I'd pay five mana and mono white to play an explosive vegetation. Hmm. Yeah, I can dig that. Yeah, that's actually an interesting take on it. Um, there's a card that I like to use in. Um, uh, I have a the Tulsimir deck that is green-white, and um, I have Fate's Reward that I save back for board wipes, but it's pretty good point that you could take lands back from that, too. Um, so, yeah, like, that's, that's an interesting take. I didn't even consider, you know, like, ramp for that card. I just completely glossed over it. <laughs> like, <laughs> huh. Okay. When you... When you're a primarily monocolored builder, you have to look for every edge you can. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I am not. I am. <laughs> I am green plus whatever usually. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so my first pick. Uh, we're we're kind of going through these kind of fast, but you know whatever. Um, Might get to use some honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, so my my first pick is a reprint uh, from. One of the last sets I played standard in actually was uh, Hooded Hydra, and yeah, big surprise, I'm picking a Hydra. But there's a legit reason why I like this card. Um, so it is a X for uh, X and green green for a zero zero Snake Hydra. Uh, it enters the battle with X one one encounters on it. Pretty standard for an X Hydra. Uh, when it dies, create uh, a one one green Snake creature token for each one one counter on it. Uh, the other thing is, it also has morph for three green green. So, and it has this uh, ability as Hooded Hydra is turned faced up, put five one one counters on it. So, for equal cost of flipping it to what you would have paid for, uh, actually no, better cost because you put five for paying uh, five instead of seven, which would have t- cost five. Uh, this thing has, you know, a decent body of a 5-5 when you flip it up. The reason why I like Hooded Hydra so much is that, uh, decks that run, like, a lot of Hydras and that kind of stuff, they're really susceptible to board wipes. I mean, like, sometimes you get board wiped and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Or, you know, if you didn't have a backup plan, Hooded Hydra is a great anti-board wipe. Uh, and not in the fact that it prevents it, it's a fact that, hey, this Hooded Hydra, it may have been a 30-30, but now you're dealing with 30 little dudes. <laughs> so, uh, that's that's always been a, a, a great way from uh, to sort of like, okay, you can dial it back a little bit and just put out like one or two really big creatures out there with Hooded Hydra 
and you're kind of unless it gets exiled obviously but if something actually challenges and does kill this giant creature you're now dealing with it going wide instead of tall immediately um so i've always uh respected this card <laughs> as someone who likes hydras uh it's one of the uh one of the one of the best to come out around that time uh, i would say also it is it started the trend of several snake hydras which is interesting yeah getting those uh getting those cobra head hoods on there is pretty sweet um and having that option to have it as a just a three mana two two if you really need it and then flip it up as a five five is nice in a different way that you could have for a uh, a creature in a hydra deck yeah yeah I actually had the the luxury of getting to play that in standard, not playing a good deck at the time, but getting you know swinging in for two damage once or twice in the control decks. Finally, like, okay, targeted removal, your morph, flip it up, it's a hooded hydra, and then I just get the greatest look of you know I don't want board wipes. I'm gonna have the target removal one one snakes. Yep, <laughs> all five of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a fun tricky card. It's not like it can't be dealt with, right? So path to. Uh, Path to Exile or Path of Path to, uh, path I get it confused with the game Path of Exile. <laughs> um, uh, you know, something like that is easy enough to take care of it where it doesn't trigger you know all the snakes coming in. But um, it is it is a nice way to say like, hey, it at least has less options for you to deal with it than most, um, which is good. Um, so that that's it for Hooded Hydra. So. Uh, We'll move on to number two. Darth Tater, what do you got? I'm going to start with a uh, non-legendary creature this time, Bone Miser. Mm. Got black and four, so five mana for a zombie wizard that's a four-four. And anyone who's a big fan of Wastaunt, this card will sound very familiar. But it's whenever you discard a creature card, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Whenever you discard a land, add black black to your mana pool. Whenever you discard a non-creature, non-land, draw a card. So we've basically got this large-ish creature that is playing the role of your self-waste knot instead of trying to make your opponents discard. And it helps a lot that Anjay Angie is going to... This card is going to be one of the things that definitely stay in after you know tearing open the pre-con. Hmm. It just gives you incremental advantage and definitely just giving more to the discard and draw card even if you don't discard a madness card you know if you get to get rid of an artifact removal spell because you don't need it and it was a sorcery so you end up drawing an extra card so being able to turn any card into more advantage every turn that it gets to live is fine. And I like that it, its body is just big enough the, that the errant lightning bolt doesn't kill it by itself. There, something else has to happen. Right. And Yeah, it looks it looks like it should be the type of card that would be like a small utility creature. And it's like, no, actually, I'm, I'm beefy, too. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that, too, was like they didn't want to make this card cost very little. Like, if, if this was a two-drop 1-1... One, one, and then you got to play Anjay the next turn, like, maybe there's some worry of it feeling too oppressive. Granted, not in a competitive sense, I'm sure, in Commander, but you just also don't want to feel like the groan of, oh, there's that, now you're going to play Anjay. 
I mean, when they cabal ritual on that turn, maybe that, <laughs> maybe that's a possibility. But yeah, yeah, it just it, it gives you it just it gives you as much as you're willing to let, and I really like the idea of getting to discard. Like even having other sources of discard are now good. Like they give you, oh, I forget the name of the enchantment, but it's two mana enchantment. It's like zombie infestation, I think. It, it is zombie Just infestation. Discard two cards, make a zombie. Zombie infestation's now, even in the deck, too. Yeah, as I say, like, that'll probably stay just because of that. Maybe it would have stayed anyway, but with that that help, when it's like, okay, let's discard two spells that aren't creatures, draw two more, do it again, draw two more, and just, you know, generate all this value when I'm looking to tap my graveyard for resources anyway. Mm. And maybe this is kind of a... You know, Past of Flames goes in the deck because I have such a good discard theme to, you know, get some of that kind of value, stealing a little from the Jeskai side of things this this go around. But I like it. It I feel like it's a decent reanimation target. It does a lot of things I want it to do, and I feel like it is a card that feels like a safer version of Waste Not because Waste Not always. Uh, my experience was always cast that for two mana, then cast a three mana wheel effect. Oh, Granted, yeah. due to budget constrictions, it could never really be Wheel of Fortune for most people. But even a windfall, and you get between your opponents discarding 15 cards, like, okay, a lot of things just happen for 5 mana. Oh, yeah. Probably got enough enough value out of that windfall. Yeah. Mm. Do think they missed out on making this like a 2 and a black enchantment called Want Not? <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will. I would had not thought about that, but I definitely. Uh, yeah, I'll have to agree. Wait, it's not. Why not? That's that's that's. But now they'd probably make it into some stupid display card, and you know what they're gonna do with all those sayings. Uh, <laughs> until they do live free and die hard, I, I want to see that split card. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So, uh, uh, Leah, what is your number two pick? Alright, well my next card is the Dockside Extortionist. Okay. So, Wonder Red for a 1-2 Goblin Pirate with a monocle and a goatee. Uh, but when it enters the battlefield, you create X treasure tokens, where X is the number of artifacts and enchantments your opponents control. Um, so most of the time, if you play this on turn 2, you might catch one or two things. If you play this later, you're going to get to ramp a lot. Um, I really like this because one of the decks that I enjoy playing is my Kirkesh deck. And in that deck, I play, like, Brass's Bounty right now. Mm -hmm. Not because I need the mana ramp, but because having a whole bunch of extra artifacts sitting around that I can tap to feed, like, a Clock of Omens or other shenanigans is fantastic. And having a little guy like this that can ramp me into those cool big artifacts or just feed a whole ton of artifacts onto the board for later uh i have my eye on this guy he's yeah. one i'm every commander set i get full set of the decks and i'm going to probably be ordering a couple extra of this guy because he's going to go into very many mono red decks <laughs> and it's it's cool that he's a pirate because like pirate is uh is kind of like a a very niche but well used uh creature type if you know what i mean like it's it's not often that you get to use pirates. <laughs> yes. 
And what's cool is he's a goblin pirate that isn't one of the Ixalan style goblins. He's like right. a Dominarian style goblin that has the you know the pointy ears and the long nose instead of looking like some kind of strange lizard monkey. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's something. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, so the uh, my third uh, second pick is um, Dragon Master Outcast, another reprint. Um, this one, uh, I actually use it. Uh, I intend on using a second version of one of my decks, uh, as in not command. I only play commander, but I I need it for my dragon deck. Believe it or not, it's actually not in the dragon deck. It's in uh, again my Gyrus deck because of the token. Because Gyrus deals with a lot of tokens uh, in my deck. So uh, the reason why I like this is it's a very solid one drop in red that isn't going to be swinging in you know haste like goblins you know what i mean it's it's a deter when you're playing a commander game like i am getting a one drop is almost not crucial to the game but it's important because it's going to uh deter people from doing early combat damage to you um so in our league it's a thing uh, to be the first person to hit a player with combat damage, and it's a point in the league. Uh, uh, so every game, someone tries to be the first one to hit a player. To just drop a uh, drop a creature down like this deters you from being that target. And granted, one damage isn't a whole lot, right? But when enough people play that, then it becomes more of a okay, who's going to get first blood <laughs> eventually, or who's going to sacrifice, you know? A creature to block and that kind of thing um so it, to me it's always been a good deterrent early on that if you let you know the once you get you know mid and late game when you do have those thick lands it is producing a solid five five flyer every turn <laughs> which is not something to shake a stick at like it is it is a solid card um that I'm happy to see reprinted because it wasn't. It was in what Zendikar, one of the older Zendikar sets. It was um, in both. Zendikars. It was in Zendikar and Battle. Okay, but I mean, like they're not like a bunch of them floating around. It's not like they were high priced, but eh, the availability wasn't as much as I'd like to see it. For as, uh, in my opinion, as good of a card this is. Um, so I didn't talk about the stats for it too much. It's a one drop red one one. And it says at the uh, it's a human shaman, which I don't think uh, it in itself really matters for a lot of decks on what its creature type is as much as what it creates, which is the uh, like I said, if you control six or more lands beginning your upkeep, uh, create a five five red dragon uh, creature token with flying. So it is a <laughs> it is a small boy that makes a beefy boy every turn <laughs> after a while. <laughs> um, so have any of you guys, uh, how do you guys feel about this reprint? Because to me, I love the card, but I feel like it doesn't fit any of the themes of these decks. It goes in the Naya Populate deck. You're making a 5-5 five, five dragon. Yeah, and then you get to make more copies of 5-5 five, five dragons. Oh, okay. I missed, play the, and I missed that. I assumed it was in the Rakdos one because I, I didn't look at it. You know, I'm looking at these piecemeal. Like, what card, what card? I, I didn't realize... Okay, Naya makes sense. The token yeah. deck makes sense. Uh, okay. I enjoy yeah, it. it. It's good. Early drop, and, you know, it might save you five life if other people aren't swinging one ones at you because they don't want to trade early with their... You know, don't want to use a Llanowar Elf when you could use it later. Right. Um, 
Okay. Uh, so we'll move on to card number three. Darth Tater, what do you got? Got Empowered Auto Generator. It is a four generic for an artifact. Empowered Auto Generator enters the battlefield tapped. Has a tap ability. Tap colon. Put a charge counter on Empowered Auto Generator. Add X man of any one color where X is the number of charge counters on Empowered Auto Generator. So, at first, it is definitely worse than Thread Dynamo. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you're not getting that three generic, you're that three colorless mana immediately, but you're getting an artifact that, even outside of giving it extra counters, every turn it makes more and more. I expect it to be destroyed, but I definitely have in my mind this, this covers those hands that you start with three or four lands and you just never draw another. And then maybe you can't cast your seven drop commander. This, as long as you keep using it, will give you one more mana each time you get to use it. And I'm just excited for the basic utility of it. I play a lot of decks that I'm not really excited about slotting in, you know, expensive cards between decks and moving cards around. So this just feels like a nice little addition that I'm happy to have, happy to even ramp into itself just to get more utility and. You know, another card that makes Proliferate good can be scary, but I think it's it's just quirky enough. I like Mana Rocks that aren't the... You see people playing Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, Soul Ring, Mind Stone on the first turn of the game, and that's not what I want to see. I want to see fun things like this that have, may actually help you win the game eventually. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited about the auto-generator, too, for that same Kirkash deck, but that's more because I can abuse the untap it and tap it multiple times in a turn, so the the slowdown restriction on it is not near as uh, big of a hurdle to right. get over. But it's very exciting either way. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't ha I don't normally play decks that kinda use artifacts a lot. So this is kind of like a new one on me. I get I get the appeal of you know like when you're you, you need more land <laughs> and then like okay well i'll pay into it and so next turn i'm at least guaranteed that one more uh assuming you don't have something to do on that turn already um but yeah yeah that's that's uh, a, a a good use for your mana when you're stuck at least at the very least so yeah i, I like that one um just not i i guess I, I, I tend to avoid <laughs> um, artifacts a lot because of just how much hate they get uh, from other decks in our league. <laughs> a lot of Bane of Progress running around. It's pretty scary to play a Soul Ring and pray that it lives. Right. Yeah, and I run a decent amount of them myself. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so, your number three, Leo? My number three is the, uh, the biggest, baddest, fightiest boy. Uh, the Apex Altasaur. Mm. It is 7 green green for a 10-10. Dinosaur. When Apex Altasaur enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. And then, it has Enrage, so whenever it's dealt damage, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. So, um, potentially an infinite loop of fighting. Yes, there's... First card that came to mind, uh, I started playing right after... Um, Alara. So the Naya 5 power 5 or greater cards always stick in my head. And the very first thing that came to mind with this guy is there's a 
lovely beat big guy called Spearbreaker Behemoth that lets you pay one and give target creature with power five or greater indestructible until end of turn. Oh. Yeah. And the difference between nine and ten in mono green is not huge. No. So getting to play this guy and then saying like, hey, you're indestructible. Now go forth and fight everything, my big, beautiful boy. <laughs> um, and he'll just be swinging that neck around until everything else is dead. That yeah, you pretty don't control. much. Yeah. I'm in. And there's all sorts of other ones, like in the, um, and I believe this is in the Salt Eye deck, there's the face-down morph enchantment that lets you sack a creature to flip it face up and attach it, (coughs) and it gives the enchanted creature indestructible and death touch. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, I'm going to play this 10-10, and I'll sack this token over here to flip this in response to the trigger. So your board is gone, and I have a big 10-10. Right. And the death... Any questions? The death touch isn't all that important on such a big body like that, um, but death touch and fighting is a real thing. Um, that is uh, that is a good uh, a good strategy that I use to sort of board wipe in my Tulsimir deck. I have a uh, I have an elf that uh, gives all wolves death touch, and then Tulsimir makes wolves fight when they enter. Uh, Lissalana Huntmaster is yes. believe or that that might one might be the Ren Runs Packmaster. Actually. Yeah, it sounds like the right one. Yeah, yeah you have to champion an elf. The... Uh, but basically, you can pay mana to create a wolf on her. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's three mana. So, like, if you just have the mana to dump, you can just create wolves and just wipe the other player's boards. It's, you know, because, because regardless of the creature size, because of death touch. Uh, but, yeah, on a body as big as a 10-10, again, not as needed, but... It's, the indestructible is nice. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 ways to protect it and abuse it at the same time, because this this goes until you stop it. <laughs> yep, and it goes until you. And the great thing about it too is the, like it has the ETB to fight, and that will that fight will trigger its enrage. But it yep. also has that enrage that doesn't go away after the first turn you play it. You can no, still yeah. ping it in later turns or just swing in and. Any time that your opponent chumps block this, chump blocks this, if it's with a one one, mm-hmm. sweet, you get to eat the one one and then take, also take out start prime. the chain. Yeah, start the chain again. Yeah, and take it as long as you want to. Right, and, and with as much power as ten, you can go a long way uh, against oh, yeah. a lot of creatures without any sort of protection, without any sort of buff. Like ten ten is a hideously large creature in most decks. Yeah, I mean, just getting to swing in, they chump block and be like, okay, well, I'm going to also take out that 3-3 and that 4-4. All right, I'm good. That That's enough for this one. <laughs> I've got my value. I feel great. Yeah. Right. I mean, could you imagine a world where uh, you're doing a tooth and nail, and instead of, because like, a lot of times you do a tooth and nail, you go and you grab, what do you grab? Crater of, right? <laughs> like, blow yeah. up every, you know, you have like X amount of creatures, da da da. Zendikar, uh, uh, Avenger, Avenger of Zendikar, Zendikar is a is a is another popular option with that. But if you already have the the, the things on the field, if you go and get this plus Crater Hoof, like this guy's super big, right? And then he then he, because of the simultaneous enter the battlefield effects, you're like, okay, so now he's also got twenty twenty more. You can now just fight everything to get rid of any sort of problematic blockers, <laughs> and then <Yeah>. swing in. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no this this guy can uh, 
I I feel like this one could do some work as a as a big stompy boy. Right. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of there's a there's a whole world open to this card. Uh, and you know most people would look at that mana cost and be like, uh-uh. But like in mono green, that's not bad. And even in you know. Even in mixed color with green decks, hitting nine mana isn't all that bad. It could, like I mentioned, tooth and nail takes nine mana to both, you know, fetch and and drop down the card. Yeah. Um, so it's not unheard of. <laughs> no. And not in at commander all. games, it's you know par for the course is ten mana eventually. So yeah, I. I very much enjoy your your pick there. It would have been one of my honorable mentions, to be honest. Um, there we go. Great minds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my number three uh, is another reprint, and it's my last one. I only have two new cards. Uh, but this one has been a um, little bit of introduction. I've always liked this card. I never found a place to use it until uh, I got my... Again, my Gyrus deck, and it actually is in this guy, my Gyrus deck. It's a uh, giant Atiphage. Uh So it's a uh, uh, five generic green green for a seven seven. So seven for a seven seven. Uh, it's an insect, and it has trample. Um, and it says, whenever giant Atiphage deals combat to a player, create a token that's a copy of giant Atiphage. Um So Darth Tater here will remember some games where this got stupid for me and Gyrus decks where um, I have a reanimate. I kept a turn one hand where I did not play a card turn one. Uh, so I pitched a card for turn, which is Giant Adiphage. Turn two, drop a swamp, reanimate for seven. <laughs> seven life. Ta-da, turn two, seven, seven, Giant Adiphage. It's going to copy itself. Um, then you just hope that it untaps, and I'm sure it did. Oh, it did. It did. It did. Oh. Uh, and then... Um, it, I have token doublers like uh, Parallel Lives and Doubling Season and stuff in my deck. Um, this is one of the biggest targets of Gyrus that I would like to hit uh, because it in itself replaces itself. Uh, and that's one th problem that Gyrus has uh, without help is when he brings back a creature from the graveyard, that technically is a token copy of that creature. Um because the real creature got exiled to be able to bring back the token. So at the end of combat, that token goes away. So it's like a one-shot every attack. You're, you're basically milling your creatures out of your... You know, you're exiling all your creatures out of your graveyard. Giant Adiphage stays. He replaces himself and leaves a copy of himself so he can continue to do his work. Uh, this card was not actually very well used when it came out from what I saw. Um... It was sort of overshadowed because it was a, a return to Ravnica's uh, block, and yeah, it was gate crash. And um, we were, you know, inundated. And I talked about this in our introduction episode. Uh, in that standard environment, we were inundated with blue white control that would just destroy everything. So this kind of this card got super nullified without uh, enough protection. However, in the right situation, this thing is a beast. And it creates seven sevens every time it hits, and it's probably going to hit, especially with Trample. So, I love this card. It's it's if I ever like one of these days, we'll probably do like a like top cards of all time for us. 
uh, for an episode or something. It's just an idea I just thought of. Like, this would probably be in one of my top cards. Like, it's just, I love it so much. Um, and the fact that it's getting reprinted, and again, I think this hits the Naya deck, doesn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, populate on that. That's kind of rough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, there you go. That is that is my third. So uh, getting to the uh, penultimate uh, card. What are we doing, Johns? Or sorry, I'll cut that out. Darth Tater. We've got Scroll of Fate. Three generic for an artifact. It has a tap. Manifest a card from your hand, and thankfully it tells you exactly how to do that. <laughs> Put a card from your hand onto the battlefield face down as a two-two creature. Turn it up. Face time. Turn it up. Turn it face up any time for its mana cost if it's a creature card. <clears throat> I like little things like this. I, you know, I'm sure people that are excited about this card are mostly excited for the putting an Eldrazi in, getting to cloud shift it, flicker it, you know, whatever you feel like doing, and you basically got to pay, discard a card and pay three mana to get an Emrakul or, mm. you know, I assume that's what we're seeing out of this in Commander, but I'm just kind of excited to play this in Aminatu, because if you're not familiar with her, the Esper Planeswalker that can be a Commander, her minus one ability lets you exile target permanent you own, then return it to the battlefield immediately. So you can mana, you know, tap this, put a, let's say we just put an island down, minus one, now you flickered it, now it's a land that you have in play. Just the flexibility of putting any permanent from your hand into play just for tapping this mm -hmm. and having some utility to always make it back to what you want I like it a lot you know, it's a card that I can definitely see wanting to use uh, it does fit well with the Sultai deck which I'm sure what it's in that you know you have a face down creature entering the battlefield thus you drew a card off of the new commander so there's it seems like there could be a lot of fun but I do expect this to be on the level of uh, things that are worth being concerned about seeing from other people. Right. You know, you have to assume that every time they tap it that it's something awful. But thankfully, at least it's a 2-2 creature at that point. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that. And You know, 3 mana for a tap, pay 1 mana, flip up your Phyrexian Dreadnought, because... Let's do stupid undercosted beasties that way. I was trying not to say that because Frexy Dreadnought is one of my favorite cards at this point. <laughs> now <laughs> it's it's silly. Is that the eleven eleven or ten ten? What is it? I think it's twelve a twelve, 12 yeah, it's a one, for one. Yep. But okay. You have to sack what is it like twelve power worth of creatures when you play it from your hand, or sacrifice it when it comes into play. Yeah. Now this is the one that also has infect. No. Okay. Okay, no, that's the. Like, it is, it is used with the other infect creature and uh, Lazav is what you're thinking. Yes, yeah. yes, because we have a guy in our league that does this. He pitches it and uh, an infect creature, then toggles Lazav between them. Yes. Yep. Yes, and it was uh, lots of fun. He actually doesn't win very often with that combo, but um, <laughs> it's. If you got someone you hate, they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, the downside to infect and commander. I mean, it's kind of like um, I love I love doing this, but it's kind of like uh, the fact that my uh, dragons deck that has Xenagos in it um, 
has putrefacts. Like, <laughs> just like, hey, five mana, I'm wiping someone out if they're open. Like, um, but what's even funnier, uh, I found, is, um, what it, what is that boar? Ilharg, the new, uh, boar that basically attack, drop something from your hand, pick it back up. Ilharg, the raised boar. Yeah, Ilharg. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ilharg using Putrefax over and over again is also much fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit of a side there, but yeah, uh. I like Scroll of Fate. Uh, I'm not sure I've used Manifest because Manifest, that kind of that was new when I sort of stopped playing. Yeah, you you kind of stopped at Fate when Fate Reforged when it first came out. Right. Uh, yeah. So like I was just learning the mechanic at the time, and I was like, ah, stuff's getting hard. I need to drop something. <laughs> uh, spoilers. I stopped Magic at that time because I had a kid. <laughs> like it was my first kid at the time. So. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I lost sight of uh, a lot of those mechanics at the time, so that's kind of a new concept to me, I guess, because it's almost like morph, but it's different. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about this is it gives you that flexibility of if you've been manifest and you're not a morph card, but you are a creature. You have this own avenue of turning face up, like right. we talked about Phyrexian Dreadnought. You just pay the one and flip it up. Whereas you have a lot of other times when it's like Exedrin, who turns all of the creatures face down, well, they don't have a clause to let them turn face up unless they are a morph creature with their own ability to do it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm glad glad you clarified. Because, again, I'm going to be the least informed person <laughs> here. Um, okay, uh, so... Number four, Leah, what's yours? So my fourth one is going to be Wildfire Devils. It's three and a red for a 4-2 devil. Mm -hmm. When it enters the battlefield and at the beginning of your upkeep, choose a player at random. That player exiles an instant or sorcery card from their graveyard. You copy that card and may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Okay. Spells like, or creatures like this that let me reuse spells, and uh, especially things like this that let me take random ones either from myself or from other people now note it chooses the player at random the player still gets to pick the card intentionally but oh, okay. having that little bit of uh, having that little bit of randomness to it is fun getting to reuse spells is great one of my the commander deck i've put the most time and effort into is one that um my wife and i share and so we'll both either one of us will play it at a time but uh is a riku of the two reflections deck that's almost entirely spells mm. there's mm. i want to say at this point it's riku and i believe i'm down to three creatures besides him oh wow and the mm. rest is enchantments instants and sorceries yeah with, uh, maybe i think i might even have cut soul ring from it just because um Bold but move. so having <laughs> this is this is a creature that might end up making it back in because especially with Briku getting that extra advantage off of having a second copy of this going around would be delicious oh, yeah. but just getting to have these extra spells get to reuse spells and get to occasionally steal spells from my opponent and be like hey so it shows you at random um what goodies do you have <laughs> uh, give me something good and I won't use it on you 
Uh, yeah. Give me that, something uh, bad, and I just won't use it, but it's exiled from your graveyard. So, that, hey, get uh, get wrecked. That dirty commander politics. That <laughs> it's the best. Uh, you know, I want to give a shout-out to the flavor text on this one. I actually really like it. Devil's Sow Grief and Harvest Glee. That is badass. <laughs> you combine that with, so there's three devils in the art. The one in the background is doing, like, a dancer's leap yes, with a halberd. Yeah. Yeah, like that, you can really see the glee there. Yeah, he's just like doing a delicate ballet jump. Yeah, with a flaming axe hatchet halberd thing in his hand. It's like pitchfork. Yeah, yeah. It is. It oh, is indeed the, a pitchfork. Okay, the, yeah, yeah, because there's like just a curve on it that looks like a look like a blade, but I guess it is just a pitchfork that's on fire. Yeah, like it looks like all the ends of the pitchforks are on fire. Is kind of what they're doing. Yeah. And, I definitely like this card a lot. This is one of the ones I, I was considering until I saw the list of cards you were going to talk about. <laughs> it's fun. You know, I like these effects. I, you know, my mind in Commander, you know, you even play this on turn four. As long as you're hitting anyone with a spell, like, if you play this, you get a Serum Visions or a Brainstorm. Get a Brain, you know, or then a you can even growth. get up to a Rampant Growth, like... A lot of the times, if you play this on four, they probably have one option, and it's probably going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so my number four, uh, this is kind of surprising even for me, but I just uh, I, I love it. it. This is not going in any deck. I just like the card. Um, it's called Bane of the Living. Uh, it's an insect, and it's two black-black for a 4-3 uh, insect. That is uh, more for X black black. Um, so pay the morph cost, and it's an X for for morph, which is something unique I, that I've seen at least so far. And uh, when Bane of the Living is turned up, uh, face up, all creatures get minus X minus X until end of turn. So it's kind of like a toxic deluge on a morph. And toxic deluge is basically the same thing. Pay you know, life, not mana, but pay life to give everything on the board uh, minus X, minus X. And the the reason why this is so strong for people who don't know is this can kill indestructible creatures. This can kill gods, uh, you know, that, that are indestructible. This can hit a lot more things than just damage. Um, so having sort of like a morph creature there is an insurance saying like okay this board state's getting pretty nasty i'm just gonna wipe it all like <laughs> yeah uh, i do have sad news for you yes yeah it is new art but it is a reprint. Oh, okay yep it was in the original set that had more for the original block okay so this is where my knowledge lacking comes in because i was like <laughs> never seen this whatever like <laughs> it's new. Uh, I do dig it. I like it a lot. It's its effect is really nice because, and this is something that maybe it's nice to touch on, that performing the unmorphing as a card, because putting the, the face down into play is casting a creature spell for its morph cost. Correct. Normal rules apply. But unmorphing is a special action that doesn't use the stack. Right. So it, can't... So it is very important... Because you split second, you may see a little bit of it in Commander. There's just certain extra things that can happen because of that. Right. There is, in fact, one card with split second in one of the decks that mm-hmm. I might t- that I'll touch on briefly later. Yeah, split second is powerful. The, 
what is the one that I like to use, Tater? The uh, destroy Cross and grip. I love Cross and grip, just because I'm tired of people countering my destroy an artifact. Like when you absolutely, positively want to break that soul ring. Yes. More often, it's their combo piece or something crazy like that. Like I'm just. Like, I like to destroy Sensei's Divining Top with it because... <laughs> Can't protect it. If they concede priority for even a moment, you can get them. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, yeah, so that's that's the... It's not usual for me to be so attracted to a black card that is essentially a board wipe. Uh, uh, Darth Tater knows this. My earlier days of playing Commander just uh, six or seven years ago, I was most anti-board wipe that you can anti-board wipe. I was actively against the idea of board wiping. Uh, but yeah, I'm starting to learn that, you know, maybe goblins don't need to have that many goblins against me. <laughs> 22 one are pretty scary. Yep. That uh, is a factual statement. And especially, uh, it just... It, it I see the strength in it because it does, I've been hit with a Toxic Deluge to take out Xenagos at times. And Xenagos is very hard to remove because he is indestructible. Um, and usually not a dude. And usually not a dude, right. Um, which, you know, this wouldn't hit him if he's not a dude. But <laughs> And what we mean by that is he's not a creature yet. He has a condition that keeps him from being a creature, which can be favorable. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's the number four. So our last pick, uh, Darth Tater. What do you got? So for my last pick, I unfortunately have picked a lot of artifacts because I guess that's who I am. But I want to go for a fun card. I like fun things, stupid things. We've got Aeon Engine. Five generic <laughs> for an artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped. It has tap this, exile it, reverse the game's turn order. Oh, yes. And again, it's a card that very thankfully explains what this means. For example, if play had proceeded clockwise, now it will proceed counterclockwise. Oh, man. I tell you what. I mean, I don't mean to rag on people in our games, but this is going to be sweet to see it go off and just to look, though, in some people's faces. Oh, man. It, it, is, it is definitely the, the help for me hearing other people talk about it that... You know, they just felt like something silly to do, something fun to have an deck to, like, if you did have a turn that you don't want to do anything, like, ah, let's just reverse the turn order for no reason. But the ability to deny a problem player a turn and basically give, you know, let's say the person directly to my right has a lot of things that we have. Like, okay, the game's going to end because they've probably got enough combo pieces, they have enough protection. But if I get to untap with that, process my turn, reverse the turn order before my turn ends, and give the other two players at the table a chance to interact you know, kind of out of turn order, basically. You know, I like it for that aspect, but I also really was interested in hearing some discussion about kind of faking this as an extra turn. Mm -hmm. So you, you have it, you have it on tap, naturally or through an effect, you let the next person take their turn. Before their turn ends, you tap it so you get the next turn. Mm-hmm. Granted, then play will, will proceed, you know, the normal wrong direction. <laughs> but you kind of get an extra turn in. Yes. Yeah. Because you're getting, you know, the next five turns, you have two of them. Yeah, you get to skip the turn. You get an extra turn compared to two of your opponents in a four-player game. <laughs> right. This... And... 
Go ahead. I was going to say, the other thing is, this, this might harp a little on uh, some combo happiness. It's not legendary. Yes. Oh, yeah. You can make copies of it. It coming You in can play the game of the person diagonally across from you never gets to play again. That's Depending kind of on how many copies you can make, you could even just bounce the turns back and forth between you and the person. Maybe one other just, player, yeah. yeah just one other also... player, depending on how many... Your ability to untap and make copies, but... Oh, uh, it... I like this card a lot. Wouldn't that just be awful? Like, do something to completely cripple the player next to you, and it's bounce turns back and forth. And, like, yeah, you're never going to get to do anything. Like, oh, jeez. I am already starting to convince myself to hate this card. <laughs> well, uh, another thing that you'll probably hate is these aren't extra turns by any wording, and in our league you can get minus points. And that's just for the sake of we have a time limit. We want people to have fun. So if you take too many extra turns in a row, you get some negative points. Mm -hmm. And these aren't extra turns at all. No. So we might have to change some wording if this gets a little too silly. If we see too many like red, red blue artifact decks making copies. Because we do have, if you make one copy, we do have blue to clad that can make all of, all your, of your artifacts into copies of a token. Mm. Or all your tokens into copies of one token. So. Oof. Yep, that is a thing. I don't know. I like this as a card because it, the amount of hoops you have to jump through to do something degenerate True. with it is the type of combo that I like. Mm -hmm. But at the same, I can dig it, yeah. and at the same time, in just like, it's a type of card that like on the the more casual players that I go and play with most of the time on like Saturday nights, I can see a lot of them getting copies of this just to throw into a deck. It's not good. There's some players I might convince, try and convince to, say, replace Warp World with this card and say, see, these are both fun cards, and let's let's try something new that isn't yeah. shuffling all of our permanents back into our deck. Mm -hmm. um, but, <sighs> yeah, having something that's silly like this that has some potential, but even the potential is not as obscene as some other things, is pretty great. And very funny. Mm -hmm. It's a fun card. That's a big thing for me. It seems fun. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, Leo, what's your last card? All right. Well, I kind of went in the backwards order. I chose to pick Commander as my last card. Mm -hmm. um, I picked Savine the Chronoclasm. It's two, a blue, red, and white for a 2-2 two -two legendary human wizard. Uh, prevent all damage that would be dealt to Savine the Chronoclasm. <laughs> then whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell from your graveyard each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Um, there's a long-running joke between uh, myself and some close friends that uh, I have a predilection for five mana tutus. Mm. <laughs> uh, because of Riku and certain others. And I really read this card and I just see Jeskai Riku because it's a 5-mana 2-2 two -two that lets me copy spells. There's a couple hoops to jump through on copying that spell. But the flip side is that uh, they protect themselves. So I can flashback damage-based board wipes. And Savine will walk out the other side and uh, just wonder what happened. <laughs> but just in general, like having a having a commander that lets me do a Jeskai-style Spellslinger deck. And we just got Kaikar, too. Haven't even finished building Kaikar and 
they're like, hey, by the way, uh, here's this one. And I'm like, well, now I have to pick. Well, pages. <laughs> I need you to, wizards, I need you to calm down. Giving me ten uh, five-color commanders in, like, the space of a year and now giving me two Jeskai Spellslingers all at <laughs> yeah. once. Oh, it's yeah. yeah, it's great. But I've just been like, hey, maybe you could try spacing some things out now and then. Give hmm. me some time to breathe. Like we've gotten a time to breathe in this endless spoiler season of a summer. But no, in general, yeah, Sabine is just great. <laughs> and specifically, she, she, he, I think it might be dude to catch her. Um, I'm guessing it's a guy. Yeah. So um, we'll go with they. So they don't specify. It has to be flashback. And you can see some of that in the deck list, too. They have a jumpstart card in there. They have one of my personal favorite mechanics. They have a retrace card in there. So, mm. and. Yeah. So oh, it's it doesn't totally matter. Bad. Yeah. So it's it doesn't matter how you flash it back or recast it. You just have to have a way to get it back from your graveyard. And huh. so doing that is just fantastic. It's it's exactly what I'd want out of a like a Jeskai Spellslinger type of commander. And so I'm very excited for seven. Hmm. Savine. Yeah, I like him too. Like you, you had mentioned, uh, you don't have to do flashback, and I've personally kind of been really down on the aftermath cards from Almond Cat Block, but getting a second hit at them, like, a lot of them feel a little better, mm. especially when you have the. Uh, I think it's refused to comply. The part you'd be getting into copy is copying an instant or sorcery spell in the stack. So yeah, that's true. Getting to do that twice. Instant speed. Now, granted, they're going to be able to see it because it's in your graveyard, but it's good. It's a good threat to have. Mm. And it is. It is each turn. It's not like um, Kess, where it's on each of your turns. Right. So if you have instants like that that are copying instant sorcery on the stack, it doesn't even have to be your spell. You could just be sitting there, like you said, have that uh, comply sitting in your graveyard and be like, "Hey, you want to cast a cool spell? I've got three mana up and Savine in play." Uh, I yeah. would love to have two copies of your spell when you cast it. Just saying. <laughs> I'm going to Demonic Tutor. Oh, wait a second. You're going to love this. <laughs> it's like, just look him dead in the eye and just be like, that was a mistake. But I approve. Um, one of the more recent games that we played in uh, this past Wednesday, uh, I had played, just out of necessity of you know getting some ramp, uh, I had played um, Kodama's Reach, and uh, Darth Tater here then copied it. And I was like, yes. that's a problem. Because <laughs> he's playing black blue. <laughs> Just ignore the Diluvian primordial token. Yeah. <laughs> this is fine. Everything I, is fine. I, I did I didn't even know that it had flying. Like that was the funniest thing for me, is like, yes, I, I made a five five, I copied your spell, everything's great. And then we're trying to kill another person at the table and I'm like what do you mean it has flying? And I look at my exile pile. Oh, I knew this card had flying. Well, yeah. I, I knew it had flying, and I had purposely... It was it's kind of a fun game, because I, I was actually... I normally don't play a lot of mind games with my decks, but I was in a situation where I had to. And uh, I was just beating the other guy 10 damage every turn. And I got him down to 10. And that's how much Darth Tater had on the field to swing in with flying, and I left it. I was like, all right. I'm going to let him swing in. Now he doesn't have flyers to block. It kind of worked. <laughs> <laughs> I still lost that game. Somewhat successful. Um, I still lost that game. 
However, <laughs> scare God saved me. That's the only thing that happened. Yeah. There, there wasn't. It wasn't good play. It wasn't good logic. It was getting to scare God some of your dead guys to make my own flying things. Was I just? I'd like to mention that I used the other player as bait. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh. Okay, uh, Savine, I, I'm I'm down. Um, I don't normally play a lot of instants and sorcery, so this would not be a card I would play usually. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll warm up to those non-creature spells one day. <laughs> um, uh, so my final one. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure this is new. The Skyfire Phoenix. Now that is that a is new it. card. Okay, cool. You did I it! Did it. Um, Skyfire <laughs> Phoenix. Have... Oh. Uh, I love Phoenixes, by the way. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned uh, on this show, I've mentioned in the Hunter's Hub a couple times, is I write ecologies for Dungeons and Dragons, and one of my favorite ecologies I ever wrote was the Phoenix ecology. So it's, I love Hydras. I wrote their ecologies too, uh, but Phoenix is definitely my second mythological creature, and I don't collect them mostly because they're mostly terrible cards but this one is not bad um because or in my opinion right um so it's a three three with flying and haste for two uh so two or not two two generic and then two red so four total four power for three three with flying and haste i mean that's that's pretty not bad but whenever you cast your commander return it from your graveyard to the battlefield so this is a good card to sort of keep swinging in and then when you lose it okay I cast my commander keep swinging in because having a 3-3 flyer for some decks is actually problematic and when they can take care of it then you have a good way to say okay I can cast this card it is going to come back in <laughs> like and it's not like your commander has to enter the battlefield when you cast so with the moment you say I am casting this boom that phoenix is back and that is not usual for a phoenix. There's a lot more hoops you have to jump through for a lot of phoenixes. So I'm excited uh, for this card. I don't think it's going to go into anything I have right now. But if I ever do uh, get a phoenix deck on, this is a definitely include. Um, I just... Yeah, I like it pretty well. It's not an overly powerful card. It's not going to win you a game. It's annoying. And I kind of like annoying cards. <laughs> like annoying it's, creatures. I do like... It's, uh, it's effect actually seems a little better when you're playing partners, because you have two ways of getting it now out of your graveyard by either casting, you know, Blood Pod, for example, you've got a three drop and a four drop commander, mm -hmm. and you're looking to be aggressive. So, it probably doesn't make competitive builds of that, but, you know, it's always nice to see something that seems fun to maybe have a fun version of a competitive deck. Because that's something I've ran into. Savala Heart of the Wild is now has a stained name in our playgroup <laughs> because I have a good version of it, and I probably I couldn't play that in Ninety Nine Forest and not get focused at this point. Yeah, I yeah. I also like its uh, flavor text. It sets uh, its fury sets the clouds alight. Like it's just it's a good. I just I like it. It's got good art. It's one of the it's one of the better phoenixes. Uh, in my opinion, because phoenixes are normally pretty bad. <laughs> like, usually pretty bad, uh, with a lot of hoops to get them back on the field. But the fact that this, some of them come back to hand, the fact that this comes back onto the battlefield, I think is a good, good plus. 
So yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say yeah, it's great. And having so, like having something like this that you can discard for value and then just get back for free with your commander is pretty great. Like it doesn't quite work with like Aunt Angie because she's already in play to discard it, but yeah, you know any other madness enabler that you already have out the turn before you play Angie or play whoever is pretty great. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's got some utility. Like I said, it's not the best card there. I just as a Phoenix fan, it's pretty good. And Phoenix is in the monster. Not I can dig it. Not whatever sports teams in Phoenix. I don't <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> uh, the Phoenix Phoenixes. Uh, fill in actual name later. Yeah. <laughs> you can um, edit that in post, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's that's our five. Uh, so we'll we'll have a sort of general discussion at this point. It won't be too long. Um, so, in my opinion, this is a pretty decent um, commander set. Uh, there's a lot of like variety, but there's still a theming to each deck uh, as far as like mechanics and that kind of thing. And those mechanics they are using are they have some good cards from other sets. So a lot of these decks can be heavily empowered with other cards and not for too much cost either. Um, so like as far as like a commander set goes, like this is pretty solid in my opinion. Yeah, I it, it seems like they've done some nice things. I wish they would stop giving us like in my opinion the unplayable dual lands like Woodland Stream. You know, just the no effect, no ability, just comes into play tapped, taps for one or one of two colors. I can see certain decks really needing that, but especially the the red black deck, that's the one I've looked at the most. When we've got two lands like that, we've got the Guild Gate and we've got I think it's uh, I don't remember the name of the other one. Cinder Barons. Mm-hmm. It just Yes, there are situations that having the mana flexibility is important, but we've we've got Shocklands in Standard, and I don't expect Shocklands in these decks, but I'm a little done with these dual lands that don't, don't do anything. I will always take them out of a deck, and I'd just rather there be more basics. But... Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I've always been, I've always been on the very forgiving side as far as mana bases go for the commander decks because that's just the part where I'm like, eh, it's it's one of the first places that a player is going to start looking to upgrade, even a new player. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And I would, and like my personal thing is, I'd rather get cool, I'd rather get cool cards that aren't in the mana base, and then have a a good generic route to upgrade the mana base than be like, hey, have a really good mana base and then the deck just become a tool to, you know, farm for mana bases and then you toss the chaff away. Right. Yeah, I guess that would be a bad side. But I do have to give a shout out to uh, the Madness deck actually getting a couple lands that I'm actually pretty excited to have in there. Having Drown Yard Temple. Yeah. A land that just has no type but taps were colorless. You can pay three mana, return it from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So you have, you know, some non-madness advantage from discarding something. Right. And I also really like that we're getting things like Gyre Reach Sanitarium, Legendary Land, 
it lets everyone when you pay two and tap it discard draw and this then discard just getting a lot of these older cards that I like to see play in mini decks I, mean, I use this in a lot of group hug decks yeah getting that little legendary border on it now I think for the first time for this one yes definitely would be because I don't think it was printed before the I don't think it was reprinted after the legend border right hmm uh, shout out that we're getting Terramorphic Expanse back instead of Evolving Wilds. We're getting both in some of the decks. Probably. Uh, the Bractos yep, one has both. Both are in Red Black. Yeah. Heck and, yeah. And Naya. No, I think all of them are getting both. Heck yeah, look at that. All. Yeah, mind. all of them. And that's, that's good. All of yeah. them are getting both. Yeah, I might I might just be too harsh on the, on the lands because... You know, you get these stack like especially since I do, I like to draft and I get boxes of things. So things like Bloodfell Caves, especially since I've been in a lot of sets recently, it's like okay, at least that one gives me a life. Yeah, I can definitely see. Like I can definitely agree that there is a a balance to be struck, and I can see it being like, yeah, it's a this is a little on the anemic side, but it, it's just one of the spots where I like I said I'm most forgiving towards the mana base as long as it functions fairly evenly with the rest of the decks out of the box. I don't really care. Gotcha. Yeah, I I normally probably have the worst mana base of all the decks that people play because I prefer basics over a lot of these, especially the what you're talking about, the dual lands that do not much of anything. Um the I don't have a lot of problems with mana a lot of the time because I tend to not play such mana intensive decks because I'm not like multi you know what I mean like I'll tap out I'm okay with tapping out because I normally don't play counter spells so why <laughs> um, but yeah I like the the only uh, the only land in, in this stuff that I'm like eh I probably really don't like is the ash barons um, I would just straight up make that a, another basic like there's no reason in my opinion to have a colorless land uh, <laughs> that isn't going to do anything other than basic land cycling. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess that helps later on in the game. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think it's really nice. A lot of times, like obviously, mono color would feel weird to have it, and I'm a little on the edge about having it in the Merciless Rage Madness deck. Mm. But you know, it's card filtering. You can either play it as a land, or you know, get one mana to get something else going on. But once you get to the three-color decks, because we got the three three-color decks, getting to cycle that the first turn or maybe the second turn to get all three colors online is probably just good. Yeah, and it, it enters untapped, which is one of the things I really like. I I really like Ash Barons just as a fixer in general. and mm -hmm. it, I, Even in the two-color deck, like the two-color deck is a madness deck, so there's a non-zero amount of things that'll trigger off you cycling it. It's true. I do. I do like it in the madness deck. Uh, any of my decks, though, it would come out like immediately. <laughs> yeah, because I I like my basics because they're <laughs> they're they're uh, an extra mana, and I don't normally need a, a ton more. Um, nice to see everything. Could be any of your basics. Yeah, so, I mean it's true, but. I mean, card draw is a thing. I just, you know, we talked about this in the introduction. It's, I don't value it as high as I uh, probably should. <laughs> mm 
Um, so, um, <clears throat> do we have any other honorable mentions or uh, things you'd like to talk about? I, I have one thing in particular with the Sultai deck that I'd like to mention. Um, we straight up got the Den Protector Deathmus Raptor combo back. Yeah. Just <laughs> in that deck. <laughs> like, okay, uh, I guess they liked that. Like, <laughs> yes, I need to actually I need to show that to my wife. I forgot that both of them were in there. She absolutely loved those two cards. Yeah, I that's when I stopped playing. I just heard how dominant it was at the time. Oh, so was, much fun. Um, I probably would have played that uh, honestly, and I normally don't play like a meta thing. I just don't like. <laughs> I normally go against the meta, but that sounded like a lot of fun, and I just you know missed it. I'm a, I think I was also playing my Teamer Hydras at the time, so. Yeah. Do you think there's also a nice touch, you know, moving forward towards trying to make us feel feel nice about some of the reprints of, you know, ranging from cool to very niche, every deck has a Planeswalker. Yeah. Um, another shout-out that I'd like to do is uh, Thieving uh, Amalgam. Amalgam. Uh... Five black amalgam. Yeah, there you go. That's a that's a word that I should have known. Uh, <laughs> thieving out amalgam. It's an ape snake. Like what the hell? <laughs> it, it is in fact uh, a long monkey. <laughs> it is ape snake. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like that 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 creature type. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I mean. That's beyond the fact that it has to teach you how to manifest a card from someone else's library. Yeah. It's true. I mean... Like it's a goofy card that looks goofy. <laughs> and does goofy stuff. I mean, it's a 6-7, too. Like, what? <laughs> That's huge. This is probably the highest on my list for cracking out of the deck it comes in, putting it in Aminatu, and hoping that I can scroll a fade it into play really early. Ooh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um... And anyone else have uh, before we get into our scale? Uh, I guess my, my one last thought before we do that is we got the reprint of Mimic Vat, and I just like the new art, like the agreed very vegetation, these brambles, because Mimic Vat you know looks like an artifact in its other printings. Yeah, and this looks like a natural Mimic Vat, I guess. Yeah, I can. I like that uh, that new art. Um, my only little shout out would have been to uh, Scryfall's uh, initial translation, because uh, during spoiler season, if you don't know, whenever a foreign card is spoiled that they don't have a direct translation for yet, a lot of times they'll just either give it their best guess and um, or just do something you know a little descriptive that's funny. Uh, the Archfiend of Spite, they had described as the Supreme Demon of Grudge. And <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of people were being like, yeah, that's my uh, X cover band name or something. I was like, I like that. I I would take Supreme Demon of Grudge over Archfiend of Spite any day. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll start off the scales uh, the same order that we talked about our cards. So, Darth Tater, what is your rating for this set? 10 out of 10 easy. There's no Gideon, and there's cards I want to play. All right, that's pretty quick. 
All right, Leo, what about you? Uh, well, I had 13 out of 10 written. We're going to bump that to 14 out of 10, and I would not be surprised if it goes higher the more I look at it. <laughs> but uh, there was f- de- definitely funny flavor text. Uh, look at the flavor text for sudden substitution. It's great. And plenty of cards that I could look at and be like, I can find stupid, silly things to do with this. Um, okay. Um, so I'm going to get a little more granular in, in, uh, in, in my rating, not like every card that sort of, uh, affected it, but, um, it immediately gets a five out of 10 for having a Hydra. It's a six out of 10 for, uh, it goes up to a six out of 10 for it being snake Hydra, which is a very good Hydra in my opinion. Um, but, and there was a lot of good cards that I liked in there, especially the five I talked about. Uh, you know, there was a lot of cards that I was like, yeah, I play this in my deck and I, I like this. So for every card I like, there's a plus one. However, there are some cards in here that just need to die and never need to be reprinted again, uh, such as Thrag Tusk and other cards <laughs> that I completely despise. So it stays at a six out of ten. <laughs> The rating died for Swag Tusk's sins. Oh, Thrag Tusk uh, was the bait. That standard wasn't That fun. standard just almost... That was what I started playing, too. Like, the end of that... Uh, what was that? Restoration Angle. Angel yeah. and Swaggy T. Yeah. Junk Reanimator. And, and the other one that brought it down a bunch was Seaborn Muse, because that's just in every freaking green deck at our league, and it's just so boring. It's just like, hey, you know... <laughs> pick a green card that you have to think about for once have some originality right so those are kind of what brought it down out of a lot of uh cards that i did like (laughs) but it remains at least a five out of ten and it locked in at least at a six out of ten for that great hydra and that'll wrap it up guys uh this is the set review for commander 2019 by the hunter's hub event quest crew um we will be reviewing the storybook one, Eldrain. Uh, Throne of Eldrain. Yeah, uh, Throne of Eldrain uh, r- soon after the full spoiler. Uh, so tune in here in a couple months for that. Uh, in the meantime... Be about a month and a half. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, in the meantime, very soon we'll be, re- uh, we'll be re- recording and hopefully releasing... Side quest, which Leo, you are part of, as uh, as part of that crew, um, I am. Which we will be talking about uh, Massive Chalice, uh, and then we'll, we'll also be revealing our next game, uh, and then uh, tune in to our weekly show, Hunter Sub, uh, where we talk about video games in general. Um, so this is Fortuan. You can catch me at Hunter Sub Pod uh, on Twitter, and you'll see me. Um, arguing with people about Plesiath lately, because apparently, uh, me having an opinion about Plesiath is a bad thing. At least it's not about cookies anymore. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, Leo, where can we find you? Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at, uh, at TheLeoRiser, because, uh, I was able to get that locked in. And, uh, that's about the best place you can find me. Okay. Um, anything interesting you'll be doing on Twitter or just the usual? Just the usual, which is mostly going to be talking to people about magic stuff, uh, retweeting magic stuff, and uh, just being a generally consumed by magic individual. 
And uh, Darth Tater, uh, our cat Rose, <laughs> is, is, is done with you talking. So uh, where can we find you? Can't be done. All right. We'll see you guys. I should probably get a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. We'll see you guys. Thanks. Bye. Yeah.